Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Hi, the mountain bikers. Thanks for being here and welcome to episode 159 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for tuning in this week and thanks for being with us on the podcast. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and want to show your support, the best way to do that is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Your ratings and reviews help the podcast get seen easier and hopefully it will get more people off the sofa and onto the saddle. I just want to say a big thanks for everybody that's been reviewing the show over the last couple of weeks. I really appreciate it and it is really helping the show be seen by more people. Now on to today's show and today we are chatting to a young man who is originally from Argentina and came over to Northern Ireland on work experience. He loved the place so much, loved the trails so much. He says the weather, but I'm not too sure about that, that he ended up coming back after his work experience, now works here and lives here full time and is just loving the mountain bike scene, loving what it has to offer here in Northern Ireland and Ireland and just enjoying the community we have here, hanging out with guys like Glenn O'Brien, like Nathan McComb, all those top dudes and uh, just, just loving the scene over here. We have a great chat about everything mountain biking, about how he got interested in mountain biking in the first place, how he decided to move from Spain to here and stay here, how that all came about, how he got to work in the Life Adventure Centre in Castle Wellen and how that helps his riding, if he gets out riding much or not. We also chat to him about his Forbidden Druid, very, very cool brand, very cool bike. He loves that bike. He's riding at Mullet at the minute, so we chat to him about that and how that decision came about. We also chat to him about the fossil gravel bike he's been riding because he had a bad injury dislocated his shoulder one of many he's been recuperating from that and has had to stay off the mountain bike and stay on the gravel bike just to get the miles in but really loving it and really putting up some great social posts relevant to that so it's good to see he's still staying on two wheels and still getting out in the trails so without further ado let's get him on the podcast and let's have a chat with tommy magnanat hi tommy welcome to the mtb tribe podcast how's things with you this afternoon mate Hi there, guys. Thank you very much for having me. All good, all good. Looking forward to having a chat with you and catch up. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And uh, listen, I chatted to you a wee bit there just before we, we hit the record button, but you seem to have a good weekend with Glen away. You were up to some shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were, the other day we were out on the gravel bikes, uh, just spinning the legs, you know, winter miles. <laughs> we can call it that way. So at the minute, um, I haven't been doing much mountain biking recently because of my shoulders. So I've been enjoying gravel biking and making the most of out of the weather. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I see you're out on one of Alistair's the fossil gravel bike quite a lot. We'll chat about that a little later because you seem to be well tuned into that machine. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Aye, very good, man. Very good. Uh, Glenn's a good laugh. Eh? He's he's a good man to be away with, right? Yeah, yeah, you know. And- it can be out for uh, mountain bike spin or a barbecue or any time. You know, it's going to be good fun if you're out with them. So, yeah, good to be met with them. Keeps it interesting, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, man. Good stuff. Uh, yeah, and, you know, your socials is good and uh, always funny. And if Glenn's involved, there's always a bit of laugh going on. So it's good to see, man, keeping it lighthearted, eh? That's <laughs> it. I have to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff, man. Right, so, uh, Tommy, you're initially from Argentina, right? Yeah, um, I was born in Argentina, and to be more exact, in La Patagonia. And then when I was one and a half, uh, I moved to Spain with my parents. So I've been raised in Spain, and I moved to well, I came for the first time to Northern Ireland when I was 17, and I moved when I was 18. Wow, so you're over here permanently now? Yeah, it's been a little two years and a half that I've been living full-time here. Loving it so far. Okay, cool, man. And what brought you over here? Was it your parents, or...? Um, no, I came I came to do work experience. Um, I was supposed to be here for just for three months, uh, doing a bit of work experience. I brought the bike with me. And I did a little bit of racing, and I thought it was it was pretty cool. I enjoyed the place, uh, made good friends, and I thought, well, why not coming back? So I went home, spent a few months racing bikes, and then I decided to get all my stuff sorted and and come come here. So so far, it's been great. Yeah! Wow! Wow! So, what do you like about Northern Ireland? What made you come here? Like it's. You're in Spain. A lot of people that are in Northern Ireland would like to go and stay in Spain, right? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely the weather in Northern Ireland made me stay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say, um, to be honest, uh, something that I, I find really attractive in Northern Ireland is uh, mountain biking. Even the there aren't big mountains or, or, you know, maybe not so many places to ride bikes. I think the standard is pretty good. And it's a big change compared to what would be local to me in Spain, just rocks and, you know, dry trails and no forest. So when I came here for the first time, I found it super impressive, super nice. And I fell in love with it straight away. Um, so I would say the the biking in general. And to be honest, I really like people here. I think the environment is very nice. Everyone has been super nice to me so far. So. Yeah, I think it was a combination of a few key points. Yeah, well said, man, because I was in Malta for a couple of years and I really missed the forests, you know, and it's weird. And I can understand you being in Spain there and and, and not having that kind of terrain. It's very, very different to ride a bike through forests and stuff. It just adds another element to it or something. It's so much nicer. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's hard to compare. I, I, I... Definitely think that there is the beauty on, on both sides, obviously, you know, uh, I do enjoy going to Spain every now and then and, and riding bikes over there. But if I had to choose, I think a nice forest uh, is hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That nice loam, eh? just when you get it at the right time. <laughs> yeah, wet roots. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's the scene or how would you say the scene differs in Northern Ireland to it does in Spain? Um, that's, I think, obviously, at the moment, mountain biking is, is getting developed everywhere, really. And I would say in Spain, compared to Northern Ireland, there aren't so many public facilities as we have here, even though it sounds funny. Uh, in Spain, I, I haven't seen many places except for proper bike parks. 
there, there's no such thing as a trail center, at least where, where I was raised. So in the, I think in that sense, in Northern Ireland, everything should be going slowly, slowly on the right direction. Mm. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. I think we're kind of a bit spoiled here with what we've got, you know, with the size of the island and the amount of trail centres and stuff we have. I think we're a little spoiled there, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and you know, as it's it's hard to it's hard to balance it out. Obviously, uh, some people might not enjoy trail centre, but it's you know, but it's brilliant to get people you know out biking, and that that's a way of getting people involved and. Uh, develop the sport so you know that's good anyway it's good yeah for sure man for sure now when you came over here initially Tommy how did you introduce yourself to the community here the biking community was that easy was it difficult how did you find that I think to be honest it was pretty easy <laughs> um, I <laughs> did my work experience in Life Adventure Centre in Castle Willow Forest Park so it's a company that is involved with bikes obviously so the first thing, going to work somewhere where I was involved with bikes, made it easy. And then eventually I, I started meeting people. One of the first few friends I made, uh, apart from a few guys that we raised locally here in, in Newcastle, would be Nathan, Nathan McComb. Mm. So I met Nathan. Uh, he was one of the first guys I met here. And then Ali Barn. And then through racing, I, yeah, I just... You know, happened to meet quite a few people, so that's that's the way I got introduced to the mountain bike community here. Yeah, very good, man. And did you, when you were coming over here, I know you still work with Life Adventure Center um, in Castlewell. And when you were coming over initially, did you look at that spot? Was that a job you were looking for? Were you looking something involved in the outdoor community kind of thing? Yes, uh, the the course I did before coming to the work experience was related to the outdoors industry. So one way or the other, I was supposed to do some work related to that to this. And when I was sent to to Ireland, the first thing I, I got told was that I was going to be. I, I couldn't really choose. I could choose a few things as whether I wanted to be somewhere. Imagine in a in a city or somewhere quiet or if I wanted to what sport I wanted to be involved with and I choose for example in somewhere quiet so I went to Newcastle and then go somewhere like Belfast uh, and I chose mountain biking so that's part of the criteria that made me get to Life Adventure Centre but initially I was supposed to go to I think it was Dublin uh, to do work experience I can't even remember the name of the company and I remember as soon as I was told that I was going to Dublin, I was excited because I looked at so many videos about mountain biking in Dublin and it seemed to be brilliant. <laughs> and then last minute I got told that I was going to Northern Ireland. I was like, oh, no way. No way. This is not going to be good. And then I just landed here and it was, it happened, you know, it happened to be brilliant. So it was a very, very nice surprise. Yeah, man. Wow. Imagine landing in Cat. You know, if you're interested in mountain bikes and you're wanting to work on something like that and you get landed in Castle Well and, you know, something's aligned there. Somebody was looking over yeah. you there. Yeah, it was it was it was pretty good, to be honest. It was it was really good. Yeah, cool, man. How are you enjoying your job there at the Life Adventure Center? It's brilliant. Uh, the the environment itself, you know, it's, it's hard to beat. I'm involved with bikes and other outdoor activities. Uh, the the guys at work are brilliant. They are, they, the atmosphere at work is, is very nice. 
uh, there's time to to have fun and you know do a few jokes and then there's time to work hard so you know the balance is good and as i said the guys in the companies are are great and in general the members of the public the customers that we deal with are willing you know to to have fun and they're they are coming they're paying pretty much to to go and have fun so obviously they are coming in a good mood and that makes the atmosphere a bit better so yeah i really like it yeah good man it's cool and it's lovely to be involved in something you're really passionate about, like mountain bikes, right? Yeah. Um, do you get to hit the trails after work and stuff? You normally do that? Um, mostly during the winter. During the summer, I would like to, but during the summer, we work pretty hard, to be honest. So we are <laughs> tired after. Um, I try to hit after sometimes, uh, but definitely during the winter. It's just mostly night spins. But uh, I ride the... the, the the trail center quite a bit a couple of times a week during the winter mm-hmm, yeah and does uh does life adventure close over the winter does it or does it stay open all year no we are open seven days a week every single day and during the winter we are open as well you're joking me seven days a week as well over the winter yeah uh, well at least you hopefully you get christmas day off right <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> good stuff man good stuff no it's interesting that you're there because this will be this will be interesting to see from your point of view. Do you see many new people getting really stoked in the mountain bike scene there? Yeah, I think it's it's something that is for some people is coming as a new thing, and it seems to be taking off. Especially, we all know after lockdown or during lockdown. Um, you know, the industry seems to be taking off. Bikes are hard to get. Everywhere sold out. Everyone was looking for bikes to buy. But in general, it's brilliant because we, we see a lot of people coming to try first time out mountain biking or second time. And then they come back with a big smile. They loved it. And they end up buying a bike. So it wow. seems to be seems to be a big thing. Yeah, uh, seems to be taking off, definitely. Yeah, that's cool. And what about the girls coming into the scene? Do you see more girls trying it? Uh, we get some, yeah, we get some girls sometimes. It's not as, I would say, it's not as trendy as uh, as boys, but it's it's good to get girls. Obviously, you know, you know, you want to get more people involved, and that would be brilliant. But yeah, it seems we see sometimes girls coming up. So as I said, it's not as trendy, but hopefully we'll get there eventually. Yeah, yeah, I think it's getting more more popular, more kind of appealing to to the girls, you know. Um, so hopefully we see that improving. That would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now let's chat a little bit about your background, Tommy. Because what age are you now? Um, twenty one. You're only a young spud. You're only a young <laughs> thing. Uh, so how did you get into mountain biking first off? Um, I started mountain biking when I was. 12 13 i started uh, with a trail bike and after a year i got into downhill uh but previous to that i used to race bmx uh since i was five yeah. and i rode motocross for a few years as well and after that just got into montemagan yeah now do you think because it's very interesting the number of people that get into mountain biking three ways basically bmx trial or trail bikes mm-hmm. you know like uh, motocross 
Yeah. Do you think when you got on the mountain bike, you kind of found your true love there? Did everything else go out the window once you got on that mountain bike? Absolutely. I think uh, these three disciplines you're talking about uh, combined are all of them helpful when you when you get into mountain biking. You're using all of those skills one way or the other. So I would say, for example, from my point of view, when I used to race BMX, I loved it. But then you're nearly tied up to riding a specific track. You can go to different tracks, but there aren't so many. Uh, when you go when you go out mountain biking, you can ride anywhere, and there are so many different places. You can like steep trails, rough, fast, flowy, anything, and or even different places, so many different options. And I think the fact that mountain biking involves so many skills that you use on other backgrounds as motocross or trials or BMX, I think it's a brilliant combination. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I had um I had Haz on the podcast a couple of episodes ago. She's from Australia, she's BMX world champion a couple of times, but she uh she's into she's a mountain biker now. She she went to Whistler and just for a holiday, one of her friends, you know, invited her over and she went over there for a month or so and she got the mountain bike bug and she's just racing mountain bikes now. And she said exactly the same thing as you, that the variations there, BMX, you don't have it. The tracks obviously are different, but at the end of the day, they're all very similar. Yeah. Whereas mountain biking is just completely different wherever you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's a completely different different world. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's cool. So you get into the downhill scene. Um, had you friends riding at that time as well? Sorry? Had you friends riding at that time when you get into the downhill thing? Not really. I used to, to go back in with older people, so they were all 25 plus. So at that time, my dad would take me to our local track and he would do the uplift for me. And that's the way I met guys riding downhill at the time i didn't i never really saw anybody my age riding downhill not on this place where i was raised um so i didn't really get a chance to ride with people my age it was always older people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so you get into racing how did you get into the racing scene was that something you wanted to do from an early age yes uh well i've i've always been racing as i said since i started racing bmx uh it's been uh, being competitive and, and that environment, it's, I loved it. Um, I got into BMX racing through the club as soon as I I had to be, I think, one of the requirements to start uh, riding BMX on the local club. It was being five years old, so as soon as I, I was five, I got my first BMX bike and straight into training with the club. And one thing led to the other, and then I started racing. And after, I think it was five or six years of racing BMX, I stopped as I got into mountain biking. And on downhill, I did a few races, but just for fun, really. I never thought into racing until I came to Northern Ireland. And I had the opportunity to do that summer, I think it was two British first tracks races, and then one of the Endurable Series in Wicklow. And I fell in love with it, so I went home straight racing for a few months and then came back here. Yeah, cool, man, cool. And how did you find the enduro thing compared to the downhill? I think um, I love riding down the hill, obviously, but the only thing I didn't really like about downhill is that I felt tied up to 
a certain track, you need a certain track, uh, you're tied up, the bike is not a bike that you can really cycle anywhere. Uh, or Well, you can, but it's not very comfortable. And so you, you, would, you would be mostly depending on track somebody to do the uplift for you. When I found that the enduro bike, you can cycle from home, you can go anywhere, you can ride tracks that are a bit more technical or a little bit easier, and there's always a place to do it. And it doesn't take the same amount of time. So that's why I thought enduro was definitely a good option to spend, you know, to have more bike time, really. So mm-hmm. definitely fell in love with it as soon as I tried. Yeah, it's cool, man. It, it definitely is. Um, we'll chat about your riding and your racing for sure. Now, you're riding a Forbidden? Forbidden Raid, yeah. Yeah, cool. Are you sponsored by those guys? No, no. Um, the way that came about is last year, um, at the end of the season, I had to send my bike. And obviously, I had to get a bike one way or the other. So I met Alistair Beckett. And at the time, he was working with Forbidden. So um, basically, he got me sorted with, with a bike, which is the, the bike I'm riding at the minute. And then... Uh, obviously, at the time, I didn't have any big connections, big connections with Forbidden. And through the year, uh, you know, we've been, uh, you know, kind of getting a bit of a relationship. So now we are a little bit closer together. You know, there's a bit of more support from them, which is brilliant. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we'll get there at some stage. Yeah, man, it's a nice bike. I actually, I had Alistair on the podcast episode forbidden had a, episode 92 it was with forbidden chatting about that about that bike um like that's a that's a lovely looking ride that thing yeah it's it's unreal and it's not just the look of it <laughs> it's how how it rides it's it's you know it's pretty crazy you would think uh before before riding that bike i thought you know bike is obviously you you want a bike that fits you but i thought it's you know just two wheels and suspension um but as soon as i tried that it completely made me change you know my mindset and think more about the bike and yeah it's pretty unreal to see what those guys have have made out of that out of that frame it's it's pretty cool yeah so you're on the druid is it you're on right yeah what uh what kind of suspension setup is that running uh it's running 130 at the back uh with a coil sorry uh, um air shock it's a fox dbx DPX, I think it is, DPX, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the front is 150, uh, Fox 36. Mm-hmm. Like that seems a nice setup for our trails. Absolutely, yeah. To be honest, after riding this bike, I don't think I would be, if I had to spend the money tomorrow on buying a bike, I wouldn't get a bike that, it, that has a lot more trouble than that. I think that is a, a, the right balance because you can do a lot with it. You can go through very gnarly sections and then when it gets to more flatter, poppy trails, you can still enjoy. So I think it's a good balance. For now, I'm very comfortable with it. Yeah, no, I would think so. And that that personally is how I would go as well. I think the the 150 up front for sure. Uh, 29er, I take it, yeah? Yes, yeah, mullet currently. Oh, mullet, really? Yeah. Wow, wow. What made you go there? Um, I just thought... The idea of it, I, it seemed right in my head. I thought this this will suit me. Um, I love 29er. I, I, I wouldn't go back to, to 27. But I thought most when I'm running for fun, I like 
um, to hit jumps or you know do the odd manual and you know do little tricks and things and I thought that definitely the mullet would be a little bit easier to control, a little bit easier to, to handle a bit more snappy and agile. So I thought, yeah, th- this might suit me. And as soon as I tried it, it was it was unreal. It was personally, I thought it was a game changer. And so many points when it comes to cornering, it's crazy, super nice. Um, on this bike, it lowers the bottom bracket a bit and slackens the head angle. So it just feels like the bike is stuck to the ground. So definitely. No, I don't think I'm going to go back to the 29 to the full 29er. Yeah, that's interesting. So you put the 27.5 on the rear, and it's lowered the bottom bracket and made the bike a little slacker. So you don't really lose the grip aspect because of that, right? It feels similar, does it? To me, it feels nearly better because if you, I, I found that having the bottom bracket a little bit lower, um, I was a bit more sitting in the bike, and I felt that uh, when it came to grip, it was at least from from my opinion it was better yeah wow what tires are you running i'm currently running um it's the wild enduro michelin wild enduro front and back uh with a tire inserts from the back as well right cool man do you like those michelin tires they look very good i really like them to be honest i've been a fan of magic mary's for for a long time <clears throat> and then when i got the forbidden it had Michelin tires, and I thought, I'll give it a go, and I'm really enjoying them for now. I think, although I might, might try the Asi guys next, at least for the front, I think it looks unreal, so we'll give it a go. Yeah, yeah. Tires are tires are quite important, aren't they? Like, a lot of people, when they get into it, they don't really think of the tire making a big difference, but it makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think the best upgrade you can do on your bike, you know, the best and cheapest upgrade you could make on your bike is getting tires that suit you and setting them up the way that suits you as well, you know, having the right pressures for what you're doing. I think that's that's a, a big point. Yeah, for definite. Do you play about a bit with, you know, your your suspension setup and your your PSI depending on what trails you're you're riding? Yes, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I would be <clears throat> the person that I I live at the bottom of the forest of the North Forest, so I have a couple of trails that would finish pretty much on my doorstep. So uh, when I have free time or when I got the bike and through the air, I've done it a couple of times. I would take the bike and a little notepad and the shock pump and the tire gauge, you know, the, the pressure from the tires. Mm-hmm. And I would spend the day doing runs on the same track, trying different setups, you know, one click up, one click down. And same with PSI until I find what I think that fits, you know, that makes me feel comfortable. And same when I'm going out to different places, I always give it a few tweaks when, when I find, when I feel that the bike is not, you know, feeling perfect. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's a science, man, right? It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> You almost need Alistair there. What you did die that in for you? <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, fortunately as well, uh, the guys from Neck Monkey are brilliant. So anytime I have a question or or I'm not too sure about something, either if I see them or I drop them a text, they'll be you know they'll be sorting me out anytime. So they are brilliant in that sense as well. Yeah, yeah. Do the Make Monkey guys? Are you a, t- a team rider for those guys? Yeah, uh, this year. There's a few guys there, and um, I'm well, well happy to be, you know, on the team with them. It's it's brilliant. The environment is great, and the guys are super nice. And it's good to have, 
you know, like a little team and it's like having more friends to go out with. So I'm really, really happy to be with them. Yeah, that's cool. I was going to ask you how that came about, but if anybody's seen you riding, they'll know because you ride very fast and you ride very, very good. So <laughs> any wonder they chose you. Uh, but how did you hook up with those guys? How did that all work out? So basically when uh, it all came through Alistair, really, um, when I was, as I was saying before, when I was supposed to change the bike and I didn't know what to get, there were a few options, a couple of options. And one of the options was riding a forbidden bike uh, and getting shot with Ali Beckett. And whenever we we had our you know a little talks and chats and thinking and talking about what you know what he would need of me or what you know how I could help him and how he could help me obviously. And um, one of the things I needed was some sort of support. Um, obviously, I work as a bike mechanic, but it takes a lot of pressure of you giving your bike to somebody else and you just worry about having fun and riding your bike. So one of the things I definitely needed was some sort of support in that sense and he was able to uh, pretty much introduce me to Mac Monkey and that's the way uh, then I, I got on the team. Yeah, cool, man. And Mac Monkey guys are awesome. Kieran and those guys up there are really, really good, huh? Yeah, the environment is brilliant. They're super funny and they, they know how to you know, they know how to fiddle with bikes, so, you know, you can leave your bike there and don't worry about anything. Yeah, for sure. And they, those guys sell Forbidden, right? They have Forbidden there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, cool. And and the Make Monkey guys are at most race events, so they're there to help you out if you have any issues between stages or whatever. Yeah, so most races, <clears throat> uh, they would have their tent and the van, and they're sitting there, so whatever you need during practice or race, they'll get you sorted um so that's that's you know that's a big push you know it takes all the pressure if you break something during the race or during practice they'll get you sorted in no time and you don't even have to worry about it i i can see that you know and i'm sure you've noticed a big difference from yourself racing and having that support unit there you can concentrate a lot more on actually racing than issues and things like that that may go astray so do you find that's a big benefit well, uh, I'm pretty sure that is a big benefit. I haven't been able to test it out yet <laughs> this year. We haven't had any races no. that I've gone to, um, and they've been there. I've been just in one race. I think it was February. Uh, it was in Gap Pipe Park, so obviously, you know, we didn't bring the team there. But uh, I haven't done any other races this year, so I haven't been able to test it out. But, yeah, I'm sure the fact of not worrying about your bike and just what you're doing, and knowing that you have the guys as a backup, that must take loads of pressure of, of the rider. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the gap, you came third. You done very well, eh? You were on the podium. Yeah, had a bit of a stole there. Um, unfortunately, um, I caught the the guy at the front. Um, and then speaking with him, he told me that it, it was his first race. So obviously, he didn't know what rider up meant. Um, so obviously. You know, I didn't get past him, but it, it's all good. You know, at the end of the day, we, we, you know, we were everyone was in one place. We all had fun, and yeah, came on third. So happy race, all good. Yeah, brilliant, man. It's cool. And uh, what do you think of the gap as a, you know, as a treat as a race down there? The, the place looks amazing, right? Sorry. How do you think the gap is? You know, as far as the trails and all go, it looks pretty cool, right? The the new yeah. jump section's mad, eh? Oh, 
the jump section is brilliant. Yeah, I think in general the facility itself is great. The fact that you have a parking, you have uplift, a restaurant, you have the toilets, everything, even the trails are brilliant. So I think, you know, the combination of having something like that, it's it's great. And personally, I think you can improve so much riding, you know, somewhere where like proper bike park where where there is a bit of everything, there are tangled sections or jumps or corners, you can focus more on specific things. So yeah, I, I definitely think it's a great place to go if you have it handy. Yeah, definitely, man. It's it's cool. I had them on the podcast and they're so cool. You know, they have such a good outlook on how they want to do things there and how they have planned things for the future. And I think it's only going to get so much better down there. Um, it's awesome, awesome to see. Like we're so lucky to have someone like that. Now, yeah. I want to, I want to chat to you about the uh, Vitus first tracks enduro, the the fourth, the fourth stage of that because you came first, you won that. Um, yeah, got first um, on the series. Uh, the guy that got second, I think it was Drew Armstrong. He missed one of the races. He was in Madeira racing, so obviously he didn't get points from one of the races, and that's how. I, uh, I did all the four races, so that's how I, I came first, really, obviously. You know, had yeah. a bit of an advantage in that sense. Amazing, amazing. And you had, no, you had really good results in that. And you won the Castle Well and won. Um, I wonder, is that home field advantage there? <laughs> you know, I've been told about it so many times. And I always tell people the same story, to be honest. I know the trail centre really well every inch of it because I, I ride it a lot. But to be honest, I don't ride Castlewell and the natural trails. Um, I don't really ride them, to be to be honest with you. I think mm. since the race, I've been there once since last year. And it's just because my dad came on holidays and I took him around the trails. But otherwise, uh, I, I, uh, maybe I don't ride the trails every, you know, I could tell you three, four months. But yeah, mm. definitely, I definitely knew where I was going. Definitely knew where I was going, yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Cool, cool. And then the Big Wood, uh, you came second in it uh, in 2019. Big Wood's a popular sport, right? Like, everybody seems to love that sport. Yeah, I think it's the trails itself are brilliant. Uh, for having such a small hill, there is so much, and you have a little bit of everything. Some trails or some near trails are a bit more flowy, and then you have a few trails that are a little bit more, you know, yeah. A little bit rougher with a few roots and rocks there on some specific spots. So yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's just partially I think it's hard to race on it because it's so intense. It's mostly flat, and after every single corner, you have to start sprinting. So I I love it. I love it to go there and ride for fun. But to be honest, racing I I find it hard. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. It's it's a hard hard environment there. I'll certainly. It separates the boys from the men, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so before the COVID thing hit, Tommy, I take it you had a kind of full calendar, full race calendar organized for 2020? Uh, yes, to a certain extent. Uh, I, I obviously, I love racing, um, but I'm not just focused on racing. Um I like riding bikes, but I'm not the kind of guy that would go out three, four days a week to the gym or, you know, to do huge miles and being super fit to be faster on a bike. I focus more on having fun. So I had a few races in mind. I would like to do, I wanted to do 
about 10 events through the year. But for me, it was nearly as important having other little projects, especially social media oriented. So I had, you know, busy enough schedule, um, but obviously everything turned on. So that's okay. You yeah. Know, everything's yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, did you ever think when you were young, well, I say when you're younger, you're only 21 now, for frick's sake. Um, but did you want like a professional career racing bikes? Was that ever in your mind? At some stage I did. Um, when I came from, when I came back to Spain from the first year I was here, the first summer, um, I had such a good time racing here and I went home and did a few races and I thought, oh, I love this. I would love to do this full time. And I had, um, I think it was nine months I spent in total with uh, a coach and I was literally training every single day. I can't remember. I think the schedule was six days a week um, in the gym and on the bike. So it was pretty full on. It, you know, we were all the time uh, working hard and my goal was to try and do well and hopefully someday, you know, work my way to a, a profession. But then... After those nine months, I thought, yeah, racing is brilliant. But uh, then when I ride bikes for fun with friends and there's no pressure, I nearly enjoy that more. So I thought that taking a step back and racing for fun, obviously I like to be competitive and I like to do a bit of training to be fit and everything. But um, I think having a balance of running for fun and racing was better. So at the minute, I'm enjoying that a lot more than focusing on racing. Yeah, like, you know, you've obviously tasted a bit of it there. Like, those pros, the stuff they do and the stuff they put their body through is pretty crazy. Like, when when you got a taste of that there for those months, did it put you off in a way that realising you would have to be doing this all the time? Uh, I like being committed. I like being committed, and I thought it was great. But I didn't think at the time that such a big effort uh, I didn't think it was going to pay off for so many reasons. I thought uh, the career of a mountain biker as a professional racer is super short, uh, which, you know, all the respect to the guys out there doing it, brilliant, good for them. Um, but I thought it was a really short career and it takes such an effort. And the percentage of people going out there and being pros isn't as big. So I thought, why don't I focus on riding bikes for fun? Because that's the way we all started, you know, riding bikes for fun because it's fun. Um, so I thought that doing what I feel that I want to do at the time I want to do it was was the right thing. So at the minute, that's the way I'm taking it and I'm loving it so far. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the whole being serious, being professional, having to get results, you know, having to train and put your body through all that kind of that stress and strain and everything, do you think it would actually take the fun out of the bike riding thing for you? I would say it depends on, on who's doing it. There's definitely some guys out there that they they love training and they love to work hard and and you know, be taking over every week. And fair credit to them, that's brilliant. I think that's not for everyone, though. Uh, and in my case, as much as I like racing and being competitive, I think I, I would definitely take a bit of love out of it for me if I had to do that again so that's why I think I'm enjoying so much just you know taking it easy and doing doing a bit of everything yeah for sure and like 
you've obviously seen those guys at the top and the EWS and stuff. Like, how are those guys mentally focused and what's their skill level like? Are they just boggling, just mind boggling to watch those guys? <laughs> yeah, they are animals. <laughs> uh, I would say, uh, coming to their mindset, they, they are, you know, they are something else, you know. Um, you could be sitting on the same restaurant uh, eating, um, while we would be eating a baked burger or a fry, they would be eating a salad or something super healthy. So that tells you that they are committed. Or after, you know, the, after training or anything like that, you know, whenever most of you be sitting watching TV or doing anything else, they are stretching. So that tells you that they really know what they want and they are driven to do something. When it comes to the skill, it's it's absolutely unreal what those guys can do. Uh, you know, all the things they, they can just, you know, do out of the blue. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, no, they're, they're brilliant. I like, I mean, I think when you watch that kind of thing on TV, um, and for people listening to the podcast and getting into it, when you watch those guys on TV, they're so smooth that they make it look quite easy and quite slow, but it's absolutely the opposite, right? Yeah. <laughs> People, you know, sometimes say, oh, do these guys see everything like in slow-mo or something? <laughs> uh, no, they just, you know, they have the skill. And when you have the skill and, and you know when your head, you know, your mindset works as well uh, to make you faster, I believe that if you if you... If you know in your head that you have the skill and you've been training and you're prepared for for such thing, um, you know your head is right and and whenever you're in the right mindset, you can do you know you can do everything that you know you are able to. So yeah, I think it takes it takes a lot to get there. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I always look at the MotoGP riders or some of those, and those guys have so much confidence on their on their rubber, on their bike, and their bikes and everything else. And I'm sure it's the same for the mountain bikers. Like they must just have so much confidence, you know, and they must know that the the the, the materials and the tires and their setup and their bikes will work so well for how hard they push it. Like they must have that that as well, right? Yeah, definitely. Part of a big part of of getting your your season sorted is as much as training is getting your back bike dialed. So you want to test and spend the time testing uh, your your tire pressures, what tires you want to use, your suspension, your bike, anything that is going to make a change on, out on the race. So those guys put the time not just on the gym, um, they put it training and testing their bikes and figuring out what works for them. So obviously when they have the combination of uh, the right setup or the, or the bike, that sets you know that suits them uh the training and the confidence then does them good to go yeah and for guys at the top you know for them top riders do you think is it a combination of obviously all the hard work they put in the training and everything else but do you think is it a combination of those guys having that having the mindset but just getting on a bike now may it be a certain brand or whatever but just getting on a bike that suits them do you think that's all part of it Absolutely, I would say the same bike doesn't necessarily fit or suit this, you know, two people. Uh, for example, I'm in love with the, you know, I really like the the, the forbidden the, the bike I'm riding, but doesn't necessarily need to suit everyone or any other bike I could get, you know, tomorrow any other bike and think it's great or maybe disagree with that and lots of people like it. So 
yeah, definitely having something that you feel that is right for you makes a bit a big difference. And I think those guys really have to work hard to find it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's interesting when you see people changing teams, you know, they're maybe at the top ranks and then they change team and all of a sudden, you know, they're not doing the same. They're not they're not performing the same. And you think, well, what's changed? Is it the team environment? Is it their equipment? What What's different about the whole thing? Why are they slipping down places all of a sudden? Yeah, that is, that is probably, <laughs> that is a big question mark. You know, I assume that there are so many things when you're at that level that can make your performance change. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's a big one. <laughs> Crazy. So what about uh, next year, Tommy? Have you anything planned as far as your race calendar goes so far? Or um, Obviously, I have a few projects, uh, social media projects that I want to finish. Uh, some of them I already started them before getting injured, so I'll have to uh, start working on them again as soon as I'm able to, to ride a bike. And or ride a mountain bike, and then when it comes to racing, I would like to try and use this winter to do a bit more training than last than last winter. And when it comes to racing, feel a bit more prepared. So yeah, I'll definitely try and race as much as I can. Obviously, there is no pressure or rush to do anything or race. Uh, just do it when it comes, and and just go and have fun. So yeah, definitely, definitely, I'm I'm looking forward to a busy calendar next year. Yeah, cool man, cool. Have you got any EWS rounds planned? No, I don't think I'm going to be racing any EWS next year. Right, okay. Is that just... What's your thinking behind that? Why Why do you think that? I would love to I would love to race um, EWS every now and then, but I I don't like being unprepared for, for racing. Um, I'd rather, if I'm not fit on, or not feeling good, I'd rather not do any because I don't feel, you know, don't feel like the, the investment to go and race in, in any injury or series uh, you know the trip, the entries, all the stuff you want to bring with you is so big that I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that happen if I know I'm not prepared. You know, just myself. So I would rather I would go and race in dual service if I had the time to train properly, uh, and I, I I could feel well prepared for it. But at the minute, as I said, I don't find racing uh, you know the only priority. So I don't think I need to race in dual service to have fun. Yeah, cool man. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Uh, uh, dude, obviously, that's a good thing. And and is part of that down to the injury, your past injury you had there? Um. Well, obviously, I won't. I won't be able to decide much until I get it properly fixed uh, until my shoulder is you know is perfect. Um. Yeah, I guess you know if I had a if if my shoulder was perfect today, uh, if I would decide. If I could decide when I'm going to race and where I'm going to race, I would definitely, definitely consider uh, doing a, a hard off season and then, then maybe taking off to an enjoyable series. But at the minute, it's a bit uncertain. Um, mm-hmm. The social media bit is a little bit easier because there is no pressure. You can do it one day or the other. Um, but racing takes a bit more commitment, and at the minute, I'm I'm not able to take those decisions. Yeah, cool man. And tell us a little bit about your injury. What happened? So this is something I've been carrying on for years, to be honest. I've dislocated uh, both shoulders 11 times in total. What? Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> word. Yeah. Um, so I started when I was, I think, 14, 15, racing uh, when I was riding downhill. 
had a, a fairly big accident and dislocated my left shoulder for the first time and I dislocated that shoulder over the next few years a few other times and then I had another accident and dislocated the right shoulder and this is the one I'm, I'm carrying and I'm, I'm having issues with at the minute the left shoulder at the time I got really good um, rehab with physiotherapy and everything and I was a lot younger so that seemed to be held up at least I feel like that shoulder is pretty good compared to the other one but the other one it hasn't been it hasn't been very stable I, I had a really you know I've been I haven't been very lucky in the last couple of years this look at my shoulder so many times and not even on big crashes just you know silly things mm. so at the minute um the last time that happened was six weeks ago uh, i was riding with glenn in one of the trails caught the handlebars with a bramble and when the bike stopped i went over the bars and that's the way this look at my shoulder and um, at the minute um i'm waiting for hopefully a surgery soon at some stage yeah yeah so you can get surgery that helps the shoulder not dislocate so easy isn't that right yeah funny enough i got the 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 results from the mri today so i i have that pretty fresh <laughs> uh basically because i've dislocated the shoulder so many times i've got a uh, damage on two bits two uh, bones and some sort of soft tissue that is is damaged as well is pretty much snapped and that's why i keep dislocating my shoulder yeah. So what I would need is the surgery that gets those two bones fixed and then that soft tissue fixed again. So that should make it stable. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've heard guys chatting about that before. And there's, it seems to be once you dislocate, you know, anything, I suppose, really, a number of times, then you you have weakened that area so you really need surgery to get that repaired so so that it doesn't dislocate easily again yeah absolutely yeah um is the surgery something you're going to go for uh yes i'm to be honest i'm looking forward to it because i've i've skipped surgery so many times and i've been told tommy you should get surgery tommy you should do this or that i said no i'll be okay i'll do physiotherapy and i'll be sweet in a month and then yeah, I can be, you know, I can be okay. I can, I will probably be riding a bike in a few weeks' time, but I know it's not fixed for real. You know, it just takes a, a small crash or a bit of bad luck to wipe me out again. So I'm looking forward to getting it fixed properly, even if it takes a bit more time to recover that. But then being able to go out there and keep pushing myself and knowing in my head that I'm not going to have this again. Yeah, it's difficult. I don't think people realize until they've had a shoulder injury that. It's really difficult to ride a bike with a dodgy shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. No, definitely not. Um, so is that, well, good luck for that in the near future. I hope that goes well Cheers. for you. Um, is that what pulled you on to Alistair's fossil gravel bike then? Because you're riding that quite a lot. Um, well, I had the bike, that bike for a year and every time I have, uh, you know, any, any when I have a bit of spare time, I love to go out on it. And one of the main things why I ride that bike is because I love bike packing. So, I, I when I can, I try and escape. You know, even if it is for a little day trip or something, go out bike packing. And especially now, this is the only way I have of riding bikes 
Um, I'm not going to be able to ride the, the Forbidden for a few weeks. And I thought it would be a good time to focus a little bit on my fitness level. Mm. So having the gravel bike is brilliant. I can just go out, doesn't hurt my shoulder, and I can just put the miles in and keep working. Yeah, yeah, cool. And I had a quick... Alistair's going to come down to me um, and we're going to go for a weekend in the fossils because I haven't really been on a gravel bike before. But I had a quick... I was up at the Make Monkey guys, actually, and I had a quick blast on a fossil they had there. And I must admit, now, it seemed quite fun with the dropper posting all on it. I would say it's real, real fun, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as I tried it, I, I just tried it for the first time last year. Um, and I, I, I wasn't com- very convinced before trying it. I was like, mm, this looks just like a big road bike, you know, road bike with big tires. Mm. And as soon as I tried that bike, it felt super nice, super good fun to ride very light so you know you can cycle up and down anywhere super quick especially with the dropper post and decent tires good grip i find that it's super good fun to ride especially on some really little uh, easy trails i would take it to gosford sometimes and i think the loop of gosford i would enjoy that even more with the crowd bike than the mountain bike it's brilliant yeah for sure and do you think it'll help your mountain biking um for sure yeah the I, I think I can focus more on the fitness with the gravel bike. When it comes to skills, maybe not, but definitely for the fitness. Yeah, very different. You would ride it differently, right? It would be very different handling to the mountain bike. Yeah, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's very snappy. And I think being for first time on the drops felt quite scary. You feel like all your body <laughs> is different to the bike and you're going to your nose dive. But it's actually all right, to be honest. Um, I think it's pretty cool the way that having all your weight forward and so low makes you create so much grip on the front wheel. So you can, you know, if the, if the, if the terrain is, is good, you can literally go as fast as you want and you can trust it more than yeah. you think. <laughs> yeah, cool. How did you get on with the dropper bars? Because to me, that's the biggest thing, those dropper bars. You know, if you're not used to those, it's a bit weird. Um, at the start, it was a little bit weird, but I... I took me a few rides to set up the the, the cockpit itself, um, and now I'm loving it. To be honest, I don't even ride on the hoods. Every time it gets done, it, it goes down the hill. I, I just go straight on the on the drops. Um, what I did was I set the brake levers really really close to my bars, so with the I can keep all the time fingers on the brakes, if, even if I'm not braking. But I can keep them there, and I feel I have the same feeling down on the motorbike, a little bit more secure. Otherwise, if I had, if I couldn't keep the fingers on the brake, I would definitely wouldn't be confident in going down the hill quick or doing anything. Yeah, I think they're cool, man. You know, it's not something I would be personally drawn to, but I can certainly see the appeal. And I think once you would have a couple of rides on one, um, in different environments and stuff, I think it, there's certainly an appeal there for that kind of bike. And as you say, it would really help with fitness. Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many things you can use it for. It's not just riding uh, a tarmac road or, or a forest road. You can you can take it on the trails, especially this bike. Uh, the geometry is quite forward thinking, so it's a lot more capable than a couple of other gravel bikes I tried during the year. And it has loads of mounts for gear. So if you were to go bikepacking or doing adventure trips with it, you can pack so much stuff on it. So there are options to go out there, and it's not just running gravel. You can go on 
you know, do adventures on it, and the bike won't let you down. Yeah, it's cool. I had Alistair on chatting about it and stuff, and um, yeah, it's interesting to see what he'll do with that. I think there's more to come there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. So um, um, I know you have to take another call there, Tommy, so I won't keep you too much longer, but have you any plans for the near future? Have you anything set aside for 2021 bar than what you were talking about there? Not, not anything out of out of racing or or some little projects. Um, obviously, I want to hopefully uh, take a bit more time next next season and go on holidays. Obviously, you know some bike park holidays or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe you know go out, do a, a nice trip backpacking. But apart from apart from that, you know everything's gonna be pretty normal. You know, pretty similar to what I've been doing in the last few years. Yeah, cool. And you're going to stay here. You're going to stay in Northern Ireland. Have you any plans to move on at any time, or are you quite happy here? No, I'm really happy here. To be honest, I can't see myself going back to Spain for for any reason, really. So I think I'm going to be hanging around for quite a while. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. As long as them boys' at life adventure help keep you keep you happy, yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Tommy, how can people find you on Instagram? What's your Instagram handle and stuff like that so they can find out what you're up to? Um, so for the Instagram, uh, the account I'm using is um, at Tommy, so T-O-M-M-Y underscore M-A-G underscore. So that is my Instagram. And then on Facebook, uh, it's just Tommy Magnanat MTV. Right, okay, cool, cool. So they can find find out there what's going on and stuff and keep keep up to date with you. Yeah. Cool. Well listen, bro, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Uh I've I've seen your skills around the trails and stuff, so it was good to get you on the podcast and have a chat because you're you're certainly doing good stuff for the, the Northern Ireland scene, that's for sure. Awesome. No, thank you very much. It's brilliant to you know to meet and, and have a chat. So awesome, lovely. Thank you very much. Yeah, bud. Well, listen, good luck for the rest of the year. I hope the uh, shoulder surgery goes well and you get that done pretty soon. Um, yeah. <laughs> it would be nice to get it done soon, right? And then you have the winter to kind of work on it and rehabilitate it and stuff. That would be cool, huh? Yeah, yeah. I really hope that goes, that happens, happens anytime soon. Yeah, cool, bud. All right, well, here, have a great evening and um, I'll see you in the trails soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. Have a good day, you too. That's a wrap for episode 159. Thanks so much for tuning in and being with us this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. And Tommy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat to you. I've been following you on socials for quite a while. Uh, so it was good to get you on the podcast and see what's happening, see how your recovery is going with the shoulder injury and stuff. And I hope you all the best with that dude in the near future and you can get back to racing bikes and doing what you love in the 2021 season. Now, folks, if you want to know more about Tommy, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them on the website, mtb-tribe.com. Just search for Tommy's episode 159, and you'll get links there to Tommy's socials. You'll read a little bit more about what we chatted about, and you'll also get some videos and stuff that Tommy has put up recently on his YouTube channel. But all these links are there. You'll be able to find them easily from there. Now, if you're enjoying the show and you want to show your support, the best way is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. 
If you're not on Apple, don't worry, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, or whatever podcast platform you may listen to your shows on. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show free from there. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can also get involved on social media at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook, take screenshots and help share the show from there. If you want to email me direct, you can get me on info at mtb-tribe.com. I do read every email and I will get back to you. So thanks so much, folks, for being here again this week. I do appreciate you tuning in and listening to the show. And I hope you're enjoying the podcasts and I hope you're getting something from them. They're keeping you stoked. They're keeping you getting out on the bike. And because that's why we're here is to keep you riding the bike and keep you learning a little bit more about the industry and the people involved and uh, how this whole thing takes over. It's an exciting time at the minute in the mountain bike industry. There's a lot going on and um, it's just great to be a part of it. So I want to say thanks for tuning in and being part of the podcast. So until next week, as always, get the bikes out, hit those trails, and stay MTV stoked.